another episode of the CDC Tech Live podcast, coming your way from the podcast studio inside the Charleston Digital Corridor's flagship incubator on Morrison Drive. In our last episode, Tom Wilson returned to the show to talk about the new CDC Learning Center here at the Charleston Tech Center and his role as head of instruction. If you haven't checked it out, I recommend that you do. In this episode, I've got the pleasure of talking with the founder of a Charleston-based tech startup that grew out of a family business. Today's interview is brought to you by Workiva. Workiva is the world's leading cloud platform for transparent financial and ESG reporting. Visit them at workiva.com to learn more about their platform and solutions. Our guest on this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Live podcast is Drew Wagner. Drew is CEO of SatQuote. Welcome, Drew. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Excited to be here. Hey, Drew, can we get started by maybe getting a little bit of an overview of SatQuote, what your products are, who your customers are, and what sort of your unique value prop is? Definitely. So uh, SatQuote is a property measurement and estimation platform designed for outdoor contractors. So the platform was designed to be able to take the idea of property mapping. So you can use a visual kind of overlay from a satellite image or an Mm -hmm. airplane image to be able to measure out a property and then accurately be able to estimate it and share that with your customers. What are some significant milestones you've hit with SatQuote or goals and challenges you're focused on currently? Definitely. So, I mean, I think from the product development side, uh, we launched back in January of this year, had worked on it for about a year before that really came out of kind of like a little uh, marketing project we had in another business we were in and realized that Mm -hmm. it was kind of a product market fit there. But, you know, we're up to almost 200 subscribers now. So really had a lot of growth and half those have come in the past month. So really on a a great growth track. And I think that we're seeing a lot of guys really get value out of it. The time savings and everything else you get out of it is just pretty huge. Yeah. You just mentioned that Sacco grew out of another adventure you were part of. Tell me a little bit more about that. I want to sort of get into the details of, Definitely. you know, where, where you realized there was maybe product market fit here and, and how you went about validating that. Yeah, sure. So we've been in the landscape industry for almost 27, 28 years now okay. through a family business yep. called Sod Solutions. And that company mm-hmm. um, develops new types of turf grass varieties. And so um, I worked on the marketing team mm-hmm. for there for a long time. And we had developed a little marketing project that was just, we called it the area calculator. Mm-hmm. Um, it was truly just, you know, you could draw polygons mm-hmm. and kind of get base measurements, but it was really simple. I actually got got called into our CFO's office one day mm-hmm. because we had raised like a $10,000 API bill mm-hmm. because we were, we were hitting Google <laughs> servers so many times. So they're like, what's going on here? Uh, we realized mm-hmm. we just had just enormous traffic coming to yeah. that site every day. Um, and when I kind of went into the logs, I saw the same IP addresses coming yeah. daily. So from that, we kind of realized that obviously there were contractors out there looking for it. We threw a little paywall on that. And within just a couple of months, we had a couple hundred subscribers to it. And so we realized we kind of had an opportunity to build something a little bigger. And that's kind of where the product came from. Yeah, it's always fun to hear those moments when you like the light bulb goes off that you've got something there and you know something as concrete as you know seeing a bunch of API calls and seeing them come from the same sets is almost like a dream scenario, right? You know exactly. who to go to talk to and you know was there any sort of feedback that you got early on that you think maybe steered the direction of SatQuote? 
Yeah. I mean, we've been very uh, customer centric from yeah. the beginning for sure. So, um, you know, just leveraging some of our local landscape contacts and, you know, just mm-hmm. the people we've known in the industry for a long time, it was fun to kind of get that feedback a little mm-hmm. bit. It was kind of great timing because when I was working on this, I was finishing up an executive MBA mm-hmm. at Duke mm-hmm. and I was in an entrepreneurship and strategy class. So mm-hmm. one of my projects that we actually did with my classmates was going through and mm-hmm. I sent a survey out to all of our existing area calculator mm-hmm. subscribers, kind of asking them, you know, what would you like to see in a more advanced version yeah. of this? And that feedback was great. And then from there, um, you know, some of the advancements in AI, um, we've got an AI measuring assistant now. So you can type in any address in the United States and, you know, within a couple of seconds, pretty much understand what the lawn and hard surfaces and buildings and things like that look like. So, you know, stuff that used to take a long time, but a lot of pointing and clicking kind of gets automated for you. And it's, it's been pretty cool to see that. Yeah. It's nice to see the combination of, you know, having the family business, having that background in a particular domain, and then, you know, getting the formal education in entrepreneurship and, and technology. Was that sort of your plan all along and it just happened to result in what became SatQuote or was it, you know, these things in hindsight often seem like they were a paved road, but a lot of times it's bumpier than that. So tell me a little about how you got interested in the idea of entrepreneurship and particularly around technology. Definitely. I've been an entrepreneur at heart since I was yeah, a little kid. Um, it was kind of fun, you know, growing up <laughs> and being able to see your parents work in a business. Yep. You know, my parents have run Sod Solutions for 27 years and yeah. it was really fun to be able to come alongside them and work in that. They're still, you know, investors and very active kind of in, in what we do here. We do property development. We do a lot of different stuff on the sides and I love finding a problem in the market and mm-hmm. being able to attack it. And we're really passionate about the landscape industry in particular. And so we're always on, keeping an eye out for yeah. the technology yeah. and things out there. And I think that kind of the rise of AI, a lot of the new mapping technologies that have come out. I have my background in undergraduate was Mm -hmm. in industrial and systems engineering. And I really thought that, you know, that taught you how to think process driven. So really, you know, Hey, what are the steps we have to take Mm -hmm. to kind of get something done? And I think we've been able to build a lot of that process into our Mm -hmm. software and the idea of mapping for someone that works outside makes sense. It's just an easy way for someone to be able to say, you know, here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to do it. And now I can place my material labor costs on top of that. So it's a no brainer for a lot of people to use. That's great. Yeah. I think a lot of people hear technology, innovation, technology, entrepreneurship, and they think, you know, there's some magical flash of insight that happens and that's part of it, but more than anything, it's about intersections. And it's, it's great to hear those stories about, like you said, your family business background, the interest in business from a young age, you know, and then just things culminating in, in a successful venture. So that's great. What are some of the challenges maybe that you faced early on or, or lessons maybe you derived as an entrepreneur from that? You know, anytime you're starting a new software company, it's really easy to get obsessed with the product and not yeah. focus on the distribution and sales. So we've brought on product marketing manager as well as a couple of full-time salespeople now. And that's been great. I think we're ready to kind of push the gas down. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's always, you know, I, I'm a technologist at heart. Mm-hmm. I love the building things and making cool stuff, but also like to run a business, you've really got to be able to have that distribution yeah. built out. And I think that's kind of what separates a lot of wannabes from the guys that really can kind of grow. And so that side of it's been fun and just finding people, you know, that are better at it than I am. So that's been pretty exciting to see those hires be made and then the results of that over the past couple of months. So. Yeah, I think folks sometimes underappreciate there's really, you know, at least two parallel tracks going on. You're building out the product, you're building out the technology, but you're also building this this business, this operation that's got to scale. And those two things have a lot of heavy interplay, but you can run into significant challenges, you know, on on either of those tracks. Absolutely. No, it's, it's always 
figuring out where to spend your time mm-hmm. is I think the biggest challenge in a startup environment because there are a million problems to solve and right. it's just you know, finding that prioritization and being able to figure out how to spend that time is, is everything. So is distribution sort of the hump you need to get over in terms of the next level of scale or are there other yeah. sort of things you're looking at? We have kind of two priorities at the moment. One is just figuring out the ways, you know, I think AI has been such a buzzword and everyone yeah. wants to talk about it. I think that the actual implementation of that is probably a little, you know, it's kind of like what the internet was back mm-hmm. in the early nineties yeah. where there's a lot of promise, but it took it a decade to really get to, you know, it's full market potential. But I think with AI in particular and in our realm, um, we're already using it pretty extensively mm-hmm. for, you know, image analysis and things like that to be able to automatic, automatically draw polygons. But I think where AI has the potential to go, particularly for service mm-hmm. businesses is, you know, this is generally a population of people mm-hmm. that are pretty technology averse. And I think that some of the benefits of something we're seeing from like Whisper's ability to do, you know, natural language translation mm-hmm. and some of the things we've seen with these large language models to be able to, you know, take an input, categorize it and move it, you know, has a lot of application and service software. So um, we've got some beta stuff we're working on in that. And I think that that's a, a larger market that mm-hmm. we'll be able to tap, but also it's a, it's a, you know, a lot of problems to solve along that way. So we've got a couple of developers that are kind of, you know, devoted to that side of it. Um, but yeah, on the distribution side, I mean, you know, you got to make money to be able to grow these businesses. And so we were just really wanting to focus on growing that subscriber base and then, you know, grow mm-hmm. our market offerings to go kind of more, more full stack. You mentioned your time at Duke and of course the Raleigh area is obviously a big you know, technology, mm-hmm. innovation, entrepreneurship, hotbed. Were there things sort of beyond sort of the coursework that maybe you learned from being in that environment that you've brought back now to Charleston? Absolutely. I mean, just some of the smartest people you ever be around when yeah. you're in that environment. We had a lot of really great speakers come into mm-hmm. town and kind of share their their stories. Mm-hmm. I definitely had a lot of uh, you know learning there. I had a couple of professors really give me some great insight into some of the things to focus mm-hmm. on early and some of the traps they've seen with other startups in that yeah. world because technology startups are, are tough. Um, yeah. But your distribution costs are basically zero once you get it going. So yeah. Yeah. being able to, to scale mm-hmm. that and get there is a very interesting business model. What's your perspective in general about the tech and entrepreneur communities here in Charleston? Obviously, it's grown quite a bit over the past decade plus and gotten a little bit of attention, but it's very different being sort of right in it and especially having spent time elsewhere. What's your take on things? I think that COVID probably had the biggest impact of anything where you've gotten, you know, remote work has just had such a growth across the world. Um, And I think a lot of people relocated to Charleston when that happened. It's a very attractive place to be in. There's a great technology community, I think, that's been starting to thrive and grow here. Um, I've been involved with Dig South and some of those, you know, mm-hmm. programs for a couple of years, and that was kind of cool to go attend and just yeah. be, be involved around it. You know, our office with Sod Solutions out in Onda, so we were we were mm-hmm. we were a little further away <laughs> from like the core of, of downtown, but yep. it's been really awesome to have our office down here now from a hiring perspective, yeah. from a talent you can't beat it. So, I would say that the Charleston area is is a, a growing kind of hotbed of technology, and I think it'll continue to grow. Yeah, Onda is great though. You get Seawee Restaurant right there. Exactly. It's a great place to visit. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I moved to Charleston and folks have probably heard this story a million times, but to 2003 for a job with, with BlackBot. And, mm-hmm. you know, back then it was trying to draw people to Charleston, particularly at that mid-career level was yes. always a challenge. And it's amazing sort of what's happened, you know, with the pandemic. And as you put it, folks are now coming to Charleston without a job because they can. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of almost the completely opposite dynamic dynamic that it was in the early 2000s. No, it absolutely is. And, yeah. I, and I think even internally for us, you know, we've got some remote employees, we have some mm-hmm. on-site employees. Yeah. And I think that you've really been able just to grow the 
the potential of, of where you can hire people from. And, yeah. and the other beautiful thing about Charleston is just, it's so easy to fly here now. Yeah. Um, our airport has just grown. We got so many mm-hmm. directs, so many people coming in. So I mean, even people that aren't here, it's mm-hmm. so easy to get them in that they can come in for, for strategy meetings and those kind of things and, and be able to, you know, still be able to work and be productive at home. The airport's grown in terms of, you know, a lot of more flights from different places, which makes it easy, but it's still mm-hmm. super accessible. And that's actually one of you know, exactly. the attractive parts of the area is, you know, if you live in Mount Pleasant, you can get to the airport in 30 minutes or less. And it's that's such a huge advantage that the city is so close to the airport instead of, you know, out in the D.C. area where Dulles is your good hour from you exactly. know the district. So, so that's great. For sure. Well, and I feel like, too, just not having hour long TSA and those yeah. kind of things. I mean, you can show up at the yep. airport. 30 minutes worth of flight and exactly. on it. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned having the office downtown now. T- talk to me about the relationship with the Charleston Digital Corridor, sort of how that came about. And you, you mentioned a couple of advantages, but in generally, sort of what's it like being a resident here now? Yeah. So, I mean, I've kind of been following what they were doing with the flagship and yeah. I've known Ernest for a couple of years yeah. and um, just what a great guy. Yeah. And the, the staff here, just everybody <laughs> here is just so accommodating. This facility downtown is just world-class. I mean, you got all the co-working space, you've got great office space, Mm -hmm. you know, the deck up top, being able just to hang out in a little bit is beautiful, that view of the bridge. But beyond that, I mean, just the community of people in here and the people you're going to meet and run into on a daily basis. I mean, you've got mega companies to startups. That's just a hard thing to replace. Uh, You know, when you're working at your house or something like that, you come here every single day, you've got a lot of people working on various problems and different things. And being able to see that and kind of lean into it a little bit, it's pretty interesting. Um, And also just the connections that Ernest and some of the people here yeah. have to be able to share. That's why I'm sitting here right now, right? <laughs> so, you know, also just on the media side, being able to kind of connect you into, and get you plugged yeah. in is just is just huge for growth. Before this interview, I was chatting with somebody, and it's just amazing sort of what's happened to this part of uh, Charleston. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, even aside from, I mean, downtown Charleston's amazing, a lot of fun things to do, but this part of town has become so vibrant. As you said, there's so many companies of varying different sizes here. It's almost night and day from 15 years ago when, when, when I first moved here, what's happened. And it's just a, a fun place to be, I think. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, gosh, just look out the door. I mean, you've got all these apartment complexes going up. There's going to be more and more high quality people coming in this town. And I think that having avenues like this to be able to plug them in, and even if you're a remote employee for someone else, just the ability to come into an office every day and have the resources, the high-speed internet, the just a place to be quiet is, is just huge. Yeah, it's such a great live and work environment, you know, particularly for technology companies. You know, you've got other cities that have strong technology presence. Like I'm originally from the Boston area and mm-hmm. Boston's a great city, but Parts of, you know, it was built up around different industries that were tended to be more nine to five. And, and A, it's very difficult to live right in the heart of Boston now, which this is still made way more accessible. And, you know, after five or six o'clock, it, you know, very different feels when it goes dark, but that's not the case here. There's still plenty of activity after five o'clock. No, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. and you look at the restaurant scene, the the nightlife, mm-hmm. just everything you've got here. And then you, you stack that on top of the outdoor activities and things like that, that you yeah. can do. It's a hard place to beat. Yeah. Well, what does success look like for SAC quotes, say two, three years down the road for you? Um, I mean, really, our long-term goals are to build a real end-to-end business management platform yep. for outdoor service. I think that that space is 
it's crowded, but also mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people are looking at it from a older table view. And mm-hmm. I think this new revolution of AI is really going to change the way that people interact with software. Mm-hmm. For us, success is going to look like a 10 to 15,000 user base yeah. um, and really having a kind of market dominant position there. Beyond that, I think that I think one of the things I like the most about Sackquote is it's a platform that can really be that first piece of technology that mm-hmm. someone puts in. You can learn it in less than an hour. You can get in there and all of a sudden, you know, a property you're having to spend an hour driving to or 30 minutes driving to and a person's time. Now you can get on a computer or a tablet or your phone and you got a pretty good idea what it looks like and you probably know what you're going to price it as. So when you give someone that tool, it's like a time machine. It kind of yeah. gives you that ability and it's one thing you can't get more of. So Yeah, that's a great position to be in, sort of solving a very specific problem that's very recognizable, very accessible for folks, solving it in a powerful way, and then sort of building out from there to more of the operations. That's no, great. exactly. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's it, we've really focused initially on this ability to go from initial lead mm-hmm. through giving an estimate. It, it just leads so cleanly into that back end of, okay, well, I've won the job. Yeah. Now, how do I, how do, I how do, do it? it? And then how do I do it in a mobile first way? Because yeah. I think a lot of other software platforms, they're very desktop or yeah. tablet first. And I think that being able to run the whole thing from your phone and be able to speak to it in natural language and get the things done you need to get done is going to be a revolution for a lot of people when they see it. And I know we're not the only people working on that, but I think it'll be a pretty interesting next couple of years in the space. Well, that's great. Well, where can listeners go to learn more about SACQuote and keep up with your progress? Yeah, definitely. So you can go on our website at SACQuote.com. Mm-hmm. We've got a newsletter to sign up for. If you want to give it a shot, we got a free trial you can do. You can get 10 searches a month and kind of play with the technology. So it's pretty cool. Drew Wagner is CEO of SatQuote. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed learning about SatQuote and how Drew brought his technology background together with the family business to start a new venture. I want to thank our sponsor, Workiva, for helping us bring you this episode. Workiva is the world's leading cloud platform for transparent financial and ESG reporting. Visit them at workiva.com to learn more about their platform and solutions. Of course, I also want to thank Ernest and the team at the Charleston Digital Corridor for their partnership and support in bringing you the show. Look for us wherever you find your favorite podcast. And while you're there, leave us a rating or review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, follow the Charleston Digital Corridor to stay up to date on all of the happenings here in Charleston. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Conti, and this has been the CDC Tech Life Podcast.